0: Hello and welcome to Clearing the Lens with me, Melissa and Love. A podcast to equip and help you in your ultimate calling, which is to glorify God. I'm a newlywed, a mom, a Bible-believing Christian, and a woman in corporate, and I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Before I introduce our speaker for this episode, if you're watching on YouTube, this is a video episode. So exciting, it's our very first video episode. But in my excitement after the conversation with Koona, I did forget to record the intro and the outro in the setup, and that's all got now, so here we are. Anyways, I won't make you wait any longer. Today, I'm so excited to say that we are talking to Koona Brown. Koona is a blogger, a speaker, and author of a book called The Mummy Diaries, and this is a book that helps parents and youth workers disciple 8 to 16-year-olds. This coffee-loving, work-in-progress boy-mom is not great at ball sports and cooking, but exceptional at laughing at herself, making lists and equipping and inspiring people to journey deeper with Jesus through writing, speaking, and the resources on her website. Kuna is a reluctant extrovert and her superpowers include overanalyzing analyzing and the ability to tell the truth when other people won't. After graduating with a degree in politics, she spent 10 years in the corporate world as an analyst and another 10 in the music industry while raising her boys, winning a few beauty pageants, writing her first book and volunteering with an NGO in the Alexandra Township helping child-headed households. Kuna now writes and speaks about Jesus full-time, in between making hundreds of peanut butter Samis and wondering how long she can go without washing her hair before people notice. Today, Kun and I are going to be talking about dependency on devotionals and how these can sometimes hinder and take away from our walk with God. I know you enjoy our conversation because I thoroughly enjoyed recording it, so stay tuned. Okay. Okay. Hello, Kuna. Hello. I'm so excited for this episode. Thanks, Mal. Thanks for having me here. It's so nice to be here. Well, um, um, it's our first video recording, so... It's a wild ride, mm-hmm. um, but I'm so excited that you're the first one. And Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited for our conversation. Also, Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself for people who don't know you? Well, I always say to people
1: that I'm not everything I'm cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a work-in-progress disciple and apprentice of Jesus. I'm a work-in-progress wife, a work-in-progress mom, mm-hmm. Um I've had, uh, I always say to people, I'm a slashy because I've done many different jobs and I do many different jobs now. But mostly, I now teach and speak about Jesus full time, which is the dream. Uh, I have two boys, they're teenagers, 15 and 16, and a long suffering husband of 20 years. Uh, and I am a native of Jersey and, and proud of that.
0: Awesome. So, we're actually meeting for the first time today, which is really exciting that um, I will talk about how I came across you. Awesome. So, I think it was a post of yours that someone had shared. It's either that or Instagram had suggested um, a post of yours to me. And I want to read it out for our audience. And it said, A lot of modern Christians have formed most of their theology based on people they've heard, instead of by scripture they've studied, and it shows. One of the biggest faith moves we can make is, as believing women is to ditch our dependence on devotionals. Devotionals are not bad. But you know what else they're not? The Bible. And they should never replace a direct walk in the Word and our own personal revelation of who God is, what He's like, and what He's called us to. Our time with God is how we grow in our relationship with Him. His Word is the primary way He reveals Himself to us. We cannot, in any long-term sense, rely on a third party to filter and translate that revelation for us and hope to grow in an intimate walk with Him. We are all called to grow in our personal knowledge of God's nature and character and the kingdom of His effective will already operates in those who call themselves disciples. You cannot grow in that knowledge and understanding only via the second-hand knowledge and someone else's stories and life. That is not personal or active. It's consumerist and passive. The Word of God is living, active, and deeply discerning. Hebrews 4 verse 12. No devotional can make that claim. A focus on easily digestible anecdotes and inspiration instead of applied theology and obedience does not equip disciples in rightly dividing the word. And that's 2 Timothy 2, well, 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, you put that in brackets, which is, essential, which is an essential part of doing what Jesus asked all of us to do through his own ministry example of doing and teaching. Acts 1 verse 1. The Bible is the primary and direct way God speaks into every area of our life. Timothy 3 verse 16 to 17. And when we open our Bibles... We can expect that he will do just that. Basically, you woke up that morning and you were fighting, Kona. <laughs> <laughs> I can God is blazing, man. I want to just speak to you, um, the Bible verses that you put in brackets in the post. Um, so Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, "But the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, 15 is, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Acts 1 verse 1 is, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And then Timothy 3 verse 16 to 17 says, And I love this verse, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for a proof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what prompted you to write this post and what prompted you to share it as well? So I think something a lot of people don't know about me is that I actually
1: take really long before I uh, publish a post. I ruminate over stuff and sometimes I sit with things for a long time. And this was something that I sat with for a long time because it's something that came up for me over and over again as I walked with women in uh, mentorship and discipleship. I'm very, very passionate about extending my ministry to empower every woman to become a theologian, every Christian to be able to apply robust intention to their own spiritual formation. It's something that I think is missing in the church and one of the biggest reasons is because we have all of these resources in brackets. Not They're not all bad, but they're certainly not all good. And they cannot replace the word of God. And so after I had, you know, I also want to do the love test when I'm ruminating over something. I don't want to just like bang people over the head with something. I want to be as gracious as I can be, but also as truthful as I can be. So after a time... You know, I also speak to women and, and speak at conferences and stuff. And then when I see these things, I think, okay,
0: actually, it's time. Yeah. Wow. Just want to mention, we wanted to mention the elephant in the room, and that's the storm raging <laughs> outside. So every time you hear a thunderclap, we'll just take that as God saying, yeah. Yes. Sure. Pick up. <laughs> Um, and can you take us on your personal journey, Kuna, in this area? Um, if this, if were you all, was it always this way for you? Um, how has your, how have you grown in this area?
1: That's such a great question. So my my fascination with the Word of God actually started quite early in my life. I um, my parents got divorced when I was quite young, so my early years were very um, tumultuous, and I found a lot of refuge in books. And then uh, when I was like late primary school, my mom got remarried. She married a pastor. And I, I'll never forget the day he arrived at our house. And he had a trailer full of books. And I was like, great. I will never need to walk <laughs> in 40 degree weather to the library ever again. My book problem is solved. <laughs> and you're asked him, what, what are all these books about? And he said they're about the Bible. Wow. And I was like, wow. Wait, what? Like all of these people wrote books about this one book. Wow. And I couldn't. It completely blew my mind. And thankfully, so that's really the seed that germinated my love for the word of God. And of course, as my faith became my own and not just that of my family, uh, this intensified. And I'm so grateful that it was really modeled to me the centrality of scripture to everyday life. I saw it in my mom and my stepdad's lives. I mean, my mom would even, when she got up from her quiet time, she would take her Bible to the kitchen and she would just leave it open. And in between all the things that moms of five kids do, she would go back to it. And then I had some amazing um, Bible study leaders and group leaders who've really modeled to me how important it is to be in the word for yourself. So, so that's, that's something that I've that I've always had modeled to me, which is really a a privilege. And it's shaped the way my ministry is in a very specific way.
0: I have a similar story to you in that well, my parents got divorced when I think I was around two, so I don't even remember it. Um, but I loved reading from a very young age. And so I read the Bible a lot, but it was really probably more to pass time than to get a deep knowledge of who God was at the time. And, um, it's only recently that I found that I've really started to study what the word and what I'm reading and what historical, um, well, what stories that I've always known since I was a child actually and actually um, me. What do they mean? And only recently, even more recently, where I haven't made those stories all about me. Right. Necessarily. And so growing up, I mean, um, we'd have devotionals that would be maybe lying around at home that mom would get in the post. Um, and it was very much um, the interest on my side was very much, you know, getting a verse of the day, um, or getting this, this small little book little, and there's a one page something to hold on to, you know. I say often on um, on the podcast on my podcast as well that the primary way that God has revealed Himself to us is through the Word of God, and that can be so controversial in. Christian circles nowadays, especially with the the desire always to get a word and a personal word outside of the Bible from God, right? When I looked at your post, I saw that a lot of the comments that you received were quite positive. I wasn't, I mean, in your DMs. I don't know what those looked like. Um, There was one comment that I remember where the lady said she completely agrees with you for her reading devotionals had almost become like tarot card reading. Um, and I wanna know what was the overall response that you got from from that post. Yeah, it was very interesting because I I don't always
1: think that responses will be positive. You almost mm-hmm. expect, especially if you're gonna put truth into our culture and our world, you can expect some backlash. Mm-hmm. But um the the post was actually a precursor to my monthly newsletter, which was about mm-hmm. five ways that um that are Dependence on devotional is really a danger to our faith. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get any bad DMs or comments, but the newsletter invoked one negative response. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, um, if you think about it, we live really very much in a time where um, sentiment and emotion and feeling mm-hmm. dominate Christian discourse. Mm-hmm. And so when you're going to press people on their good vibes... Mm-hmm. They're gonna get upset, man. People want the good vibes. Mm. They don't want the pure milk of the word True. that Second Peter talks about. True. And certainly, what we want even less is a sword that cuts us two ways. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I, I was actually, maybe I should say, I was surprised that I only got that one um, little <laughs> piece of hate mail um, because I suppose the positive of that is that women really are in a place where they know that there is something more about their faith, mm. and they just need to get there. They just need that little bit of a push in the right direction. And that push isn't coming from our churches. It's not even coming from our women's conferences, where it's also all about the feelings. And that's you know, yeah. So it did show me that certainly the community of women that I am gathering on social media, those women are hungry for more of the Word of God in their lives.
0: And women... And they can hold that knowledge. They can they can seek that knowledge and seek that understanding. Right? So I think yeah, it's not beyond us. Exactly. Not by any means. You know, if you think
1: about it, um, I read recently Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, his, you know he had a theology degree, but he says he his understanding of the Reformation came from the rumination on actual scripture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they didn't have half the resources that we have. Exactly. So in one sense, the resources we have actually cripple us because there are these crutches that we hold on to. But in another sense, there are some gold mines Mm -hmm. that we could just have that help us navigate the complexity of the word. And that raises our expectation of God Mm -hmm. because you have to expect that he will show up. Exactly. The thing is that we have a big expectation of ourselves. We're like, we open the Bible and we're like, I need to know things. I need to be a theologian mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. i need to have and actually the word of god is living and active yeah. um it's god breathed is he not gonna breathe on you if you open his word yeah you know what i yeah. mean so i think we can have we can have that expectation and we can kind of leave behind this idea that it's a little
0: bit beyond us mm. i agree with you there completely so if i am uh devoted to devotionals hun Um, what advice or guidance would you provide to me on how I can meaningfully invest in my walk with God and the positive roles that devotionals can play in that? Right. I think a good place to start
1: would be to um, be quite honest about what is keeping you out of the Word of God. Because I don't know if we really have to make a case for the fact that that is the primary way He speaks. So where did... um, your dependence on devotions come from because if you don't address that i don't know if you're going to really break that habit and then to say you know what start small and start with the expectation that god does want to meet with you um the word of god tells us that he says you know if you if you draw near to me i'll draw near to you that's james 4 right so um i think have a new expectation of what god can do when you open the bible um, on my website i have a free 5 day email course it's called the dwell course which is basically breaks down how you could read the bible for yourself awesome it's got all the resources some of those resources are so amazing like david pearson's unlocking the bible it's a very very solid resource but it's not expensive at all i think you can get it like for 250 bucks on eb on on take a Lot or at Cum. So start getting some resources together that are really going to help you get over that intimidation factor. Do the the five-day course. It's very, very simple. It's going to help you to to say, well, what am I looking for when I sit down Mm -hmm. to read the Bible? Make sure that you have a good Bible translation. Make sure you have a study Bible so that you're not going in cold and blind. Mm -hmm. Then I would say, there's nothing wrong with a good doctrinally solid devotion. Here's the problem, is that if you do not know the word of God, you wouldn't know if it was solid or not. John Piper says, if you're using human teachers as the sole means of understanding God's word, by what will you judge those teachers? Sure. So like you mentioned that before you used to just read the Bible and maybe it wasn't even really so that you would understand everything. I think that we need to give ourselves the space to read the Bible for depth and breadth because the full counsel of Scripture helps us to discern better what these human teachers are offering to us.
0: Wow. So true. So true. Uh, I follow uh, Jackie Hill Prairie. She's American. Uh, She's so wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> she's so wonderful. Look, I know she just brought out she a did. devotional. She did. And a lot of, I found that the, a lot of the com- comments that she's posted on her stories um, around reviews that she's gotten is that people are really, women are really feeling refreshed, I guess, by the idea that the devotional seems to emphasize that scripture is the main meal. The devotional is just, it's a snack mm. almost. Um, And I think that's probably what's, missing in a lot of devotionals uh, today when the devotional becomes this
1: my Bible. Is, yeah, this you is know? Bible. This is how I understand who God exactly. is. And the problem is that often devotionals are not about understanding who God is. They're about understanding who you are. Yeah. And you know what we don't need more of? We don't need more of ourselves. Yeah. We need more of God. And that's <laughs> the cool thing about Jackie O'Piri. I mean, um, Holier Than Thou, her mm. previous book. Mm. Like, her, you don't have to question whether her focus is about this carnal type of faith. It's all about like your calling and your your, identity. It really is about pointing people to Christ, Mm -hmm. helping them understand how the gospel impacts their life. So you can really trust her in terms of a voice. I can't imagine Mm -hmm. her putting
0: something out that would be lightweight in any sense. Yeah. And even though with her glory conference, even the tagline is a conference that's all about God, not about you. (laughs) Yes. You see, so you can retrust really her orientation in terms of her faith. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you said in your post, you cannot grow in that knowledge and understanding only via the secondhand knowledge and someone else's stories and life. That is not personal or active, it's consumerist and passive. Kuna, why do you think this is the case in the modern day church today? Um, and how do you think churches have enabled this consumerist type behavior? yeah that's a really good question i think um for me there's two
1: th- this question actually has two on ans- two a two-part answer mm. and the one would be too long to have in this episode maybe you'll have it back and we can talk about this i'd love to have you back.
0: <laughs> thank you so much so <laughs> <thank> you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think um one of the ways that churches have enabled consumerism especially post-covid mm. is things like online church um mm. multi-site mm. churches mm. Mega churches foster this kind of approach to teaching and worship and church shopping because there's no community, there's no accountability, and there's no um, unction for discipleship. Discipleship is not seen as an extension of your time on a Sunday. Now, Dallas Willard, who I, I read very often, he says, If you think that you will be spiritually formed by attending church once a week, It would be the same as thinking that you will be clean by taking a shower that drips one drop of water on you once a week. And where have churches gone wrong in not actually saying, you know what, we we love gathering you. We love worshiping together, but this is only one part of your journey with Jesus. And what can we do to support that journey? So, like, for example, we have small groups. I love small groups. Small Mm -hmm. groups are great for community. But small groups do not teach you to be an apprentice of Christ. Mm -hmm. What is it that is going to make you follow Jesus better? Mm -hmm. So, I think that as churches, um, the other thing, um, Brett McCracken, he's written so many good books, but one of them is called Uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And he actually talks about... um, The consumerist culture in churches and that it's actually almost like um, comfort is like a disease among Christians. Mm -hmm. We crave it. And because in churches, sometimes the focus is on entertaining people Mm -hmm. and making them feel comfortable. We are not then presenting um, a true engagement with the word of God. And that would put us in error. The other thing is, I talk about this in the Mm -hmm. Dwell course, is what um, sociologists call moralistic therapeutic deism where you think that Christianity is almost like something that exists so that it can make you a happy moral person. And yeah. when we go to churches where there's these bite-sized sermons where there's a small little piece of scripture and then the message is all about you yeah. and your David and your problem is Goliath it's about, and you know, know, it's, all it. it's all about it it, it, it totally um, creates this self-focused, comfortable Christian, uh, when we are looking for good expository preaching in our churches, when we are looking for extensions of ministry to help people really become followers, apprentices of Jesus in their life and lifestyle, I think that's when we can start to really fortify people's faith. um, And it stops being about a a shallow root system that's very broad, you know, rather fewer people. More solid in the word, Mm -hmm. I would say. You know, that'd be that's what I think has gone wrong, especially post COVID for us. Sure. The one thing I know about reading the Bible, just from looking at what it looks like to be a person of faith, Mm -hmm. uh, there's comforts, yeah, but there's not. It's not comfortable Mm -hmm. because uh, transformation is never comfortable. No, and we're supposed to be on this ever increasing Journey of sanctification. Exactly. So if if you are not experiencing
0: that on a Sunday, mm. yeah, I would ask questions. Just that discomfort of being exposed to yes. God and Him seeing everything and, and showing you all that He still needs to do in your life. Yeah. But also, at, and the comfort can come from the fact that you know that He will do what, what He set out to do in your life, right? That you have the Holy Spirit. Talking on the point around where you're Moses and the story of Moses, been, <laughs> obviously David, we're all, we're, you know, we're, all we're, to man. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're slaying giants. And I remember listening to a sermon once and it was about how the story of David is is not about how we all need to be like David. Because when you really look at David's life, you if we were to teach our children that the story of David is about being like David, they're when they actually read the Bible to understand it and really look at his life, there'll be some awkward moments that we'll have. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about when David did that? Yes. What about <laughs> some <laughs> really bad stuff? You know, and so it, it always needs to be pointing us to God, pointing us to Jesus, pointing us to the ultimate, the most beautiful, redemptive story of all time. Yeah. And Yeah, and actually highlighting uh,
1: when we read the story of David, for example, what is the character and nature of God as He engaged with this human? What do we learn about God? Exactly. Never mind what you learn about yourself. What did, Because there's so much comfort in knowing that we have the sovereign God who knows where we are at. And, exactly. you know, He has started a good work in you, He will bring it to completion. And He's going to use the gospel to do that, which is the journey of repentance and faith that we all have to keep being
0: on, you know? Exactly. Yeah i um, going back to with withdrawal, well, not going back, but speaking again on the appeal of devotionals um, and the appeal that they had to me <clears throat> and possibly to a lot of people. It was really also at the bottom of the page, you have that scripture snack and it was a piece of scripture that you memorize for the day and you kind of hold on to. I have found um, personally that memorizing scripture has become more difficult for me as I've gotten older um, and maybe that's just biology, but How would you, what tools would you say someone could use in order to better memorize scripture? Because I don't think that it's impossible. No, of course not. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to just, before I give you my
1: tips on this, Mm -hmm. because I do have some. (laughs) I want to read you two amazing quotes about scripture memorization. Now, scripture memorization is, it's a spiritual discipline. Mm -hmm. Okay, So we know that the disciplines exist Mm -hmm. in order to shape us. Now, Dallas Willard, this is what he says about scripture memory. He says it's absolutely fundamental to spiritual transformation. If I had to choose between all the disciplines of the spiritual life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. Um, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That's where you need it. And how do you get it into your mouth? Through your memory and then another amazing theologian chuck swindle this is what he says i know of no other single practice in the christian life more rewarding practically speaking than memorizing scripture no other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends your prayer life will be strengthened your witness will witness will be sharpened much more effective Your attitude and your outlook will begin to change. Your mind will become alert and observant. Your confidence and assurance will be enhanced. Your faith will be solidified. Like, is that not what we need? Exactly. Now, that's all of those good things in this discipline that Jesus himself practiced. Why would we think that now there would be a season where we can no longer do that, right? The example that I've seen, like, my stepdad's 84. Mm -hmm so amazing that when you have laid that foundation of Scripture memory, when you can no longer make any new, short-term memories, mm-hmm. all of those things still are there. My dad wow. can still, you know, s- memorize and say whole pieces of chapters. Of at the 84. Bible. At 84, because it's already in there. Yeah. Okay, so I have very good news for all moms of small children. Mm-hmm. This is what I did. I found this book. This is a book that you can get at any Christian book discounters. Okay. Funny. This is by Pastor Lee Robinson. It's called The Solid Foundation. Okay. And it is um, all the scripture memory verses that a child should learn by the age of 12. Okay. Now, this is your copy that I wrote for you. Thank you. Um, and what I did was I put this. I had one in my kitchen and one in my car. Okay. Because when you are discipling your children by the word. Mm. You are being discipled by the Word. True. So when you are teaching them scripture memory, you are learning scripture memory. So the way I taught my kids when they were still very small was that we would have to repeat the scripture memory verse eight times on the way to school and eight times on the way back. Okay. Now that my kids are bigger, I keep little cue cards in my handbag because I don't now. I just I have all the scripture memory verses I want to learn. I keep them in a box on my desk. And then I put the cue card to a month. I put them in my handbag. Mm-hmm. And if I'm standing in the queue at checkers, if I'm standing mm-hmm. at the airport like this weekend, I just take it out. And oh. then I, I just memorize it. Mm-hmm. And when I'm driving, you can't see that now because it's smudged a little bit. But I take the, the, the first letter of every sentence. Mm-hmm. I write it on my hand mm-hmm. as a little prompt for me. And then I try to memorize it like that. If you can Make your scripture memory a part of your daily devotional. Mm. So you review it in the morning. You write it out on a, just on a random piece of paper, just two times. Mm-hmm. Because as adults, what we yeah. need is we need speaking, reading, and writing. Yeah, because that's how we learn, right? Exactly. Your kids, I promise you, my kids were so fast with scripture memory. And it's like, <laughs> damn <"Dammit, I caught laughs> it, I can remember. Tell me again, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they would be like, no. So we, as adults, we need more. But there are so many ways that you can actually include scripture memorization into your life. And then I have this box on my desk and there's so many that I've already learned. So when I open it up and I can see there's this legacy of scripture memory and it's it's
0: there. I've learned it, you know, so it's great. And it's a definitely a worthwhile practice. Wow. And what I'm hearing really is you need to be intentional. Of course, it's not just going to happen so just like we're intentional around reading the word um around spending time with god we need to be intentional around memorizing putting the word in your mind actually as well yeah
1: i love that and um you know when you have this book and you're having lunch your kid is having his snacks you just open that right up Mm. and you guys are both learning together which is just such a great thing Mm. yeah make it practical and relevant and accessible, and be
0: intentional about it. Mm, love that. Thank you so much for that. The road. If someone listening today is working on a devotional, um, what advice would you give them to, in terms of their creation or putting together of something that actually helps women and helps people without crippling them? Yes, I think that I would say that
1: if all scripture yeah. points to Jesus you have to make sure that that's where you are pointing people Mm. when you are writing a devotional the problem is that often devotionals are themed so it would be about you know how busy you are and in the busyness there's these little food this little food for the soul or this is a season of grief so it's it's so like topical yes but if god is who he says he is in the word of those things that we need when we go through the different seasons of life, they are found in him. So if you are writing a devotional, you need to point people to the character and nature of God so that it becomes more and more real to them. Mm. And so that they can actually partner with him in their day to day life because he is already operating in the world. The other problem with devotionals is often it will be like, this is what you must do today. Yeah. Like often when I tell Yeah. Um Dallas Willard says, when we pray, what we should actually be doing is um, entering in to the work that God is already doing in the world. This is not a story about us. This is a story about Him, and we are a part of it. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. He was the kingdom. He made it near to us, so we are effectively already part Mm -hmm. of that kingdom right now. We are a part of his story, yeah, so we need to figure out what he's doing yeah. in the world and get in step with that so if you're writing a devotional, that's what you should be fortifying people to do
0: mm. oh. and then my thoughts on that on on that question as well with that context really matters you yeah. um and so we also need to be making sure that I mean, we, we provide in context in, in, in these devotionals, right? And that may mean longer pages, mm. may mean thicker, not so cute, you know, devotional Roberts. at the end of the day. Yes. But if people are getting, you know, actual meat, there needs to be actual meat in it. Yes. Um, whatever that means, whatever that take. Yeah. yeah. And let the scripture actually direct you. Exactly. Because um,
1: somebody sent me a devotional the other day, uh, where basically she had all of these different women, Tell a story about a specific topic, and then she found scripture mm. to match the story, which is such a dangerous thing, it, and it's so unbelievably unhelpful. Mm. So let um, scripture direct you instead of you trying to direct exactly. Yeah. And scripture
0: interpret scripture itself, not my, right? Not is. My experience, yep. not my bias. Uh, agreed. Scripture yeah. interpret scripture. Yeah. So let let it do what it does. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Sure. In closing, um, so I'm a mom of a one-year-old. And I have another one on the way. So exciting. Um, and I think often about how I'll equip my children to, to read the word um, and to really know God through his word and through his written word. Um, what, how are you equipping your children in this era? And you've already touched on, wow, um, how, how you, you did that in terms of scripture memorization. Um, but how are you equipping your children in other ways as well um, in terms of learning the word and how do you make that fun? Or is fun even, should we even be trying to make it fun and entertaining for them when we think about how important the task is and how urgent the time is as we're right now? Yeah, I would definitely say that making it practical
1: and relevant is a lot more important than making it fun. I think um, kids need to see us turn to the Word and to pray. Um, I think what they see modeled to them is a lot more impactful yeah. than a very colorful coloring in page and sure. a sticker book. And a, I think that when they start to see, oh, this is this is how we live, mm. uh, I think a large... Think about all the things you want your kid to know um, about being someone of in, a person of integrity, yeah. someone of honesty, someone yeah. of responsibility. Those things... Or not fun. Mm, I think a big part of why millennials hate adulting is because their parents thought everything had to be fun. Yeah. You know, so if we're talking about the spiritual disciplines, I would say um, practical, um, habitual modeling is a lot more important than fun. If your kids are very young, and I actually talk about this in my book, uh, you need to know they have a far greater grasp on spiritual things than you think uh, because they are spiritual beings having a human experience they are not human beings having a spiritual experience um, faith and um, the will and the heart and the spirit didn't get tacked onto them after that you know what I mean wow, true. So, so when true. we speak to our kids even as one year olds we can speak yeah. spiritual things to them and um, I speak about in my book speaking to the spirit of your child because, you know, your one-year-old can't read the Bible. Your one-year-old doesn't know how to pray. So I think uh, remember the power of these things that are far beyond just what you are able to see. Then I think the other thing that's important, and that's that's why I wrote the Mommy Diaries, was that I wanted my kids to see that the gospel impacts everything about how we live. And I wanted to explain to them the experiences that they had in their life, Mm. how would God want them to look at those things? Mm. How would he want them to react to a friend who's getting divorced Mm. or to being bullied in school or to the fees must fall debacle or to something else in the news? And I know like academics would say, well, it's a biblical worldview that I was trying to teach Mm. them, but really, what I talk about in the mommy diaries is helping them to see the world through the eyes of the word. Yeah. And that makes it relevant. Mm-hmm. That takes that takes it away from this idea that there's church and there's Bible reading and there's life. There's real life. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it helps them and us to understand that actually this is all real life. Mm-hmm. And being a disciple of Jesus is about responding to my life the way Jesus would have if he was me. So, and that's, that's why I wrote this book.
0: And I mean, speaking on what she said around academics, would say it's a biblical worldview that you're teaching them. Everyone is teaching a worldview. There is a worldview in your mind right now. There's no just neutral worldview. And so, and then there's a whole conversation around. We're indoctrinating our children. It's like, well, yes, we're we're instilling doctrine, Mm. Christian doctrine. That's what we we are instilling. Mm. And everyone is doing that in some way or any way, whether they know it or not. Exactly. Yeah. So this, um,
1: the Mommy Diaries came about because I just started to get really intentional about what these conversations are going to be about. If we were going to talk about friendship, Mm. what would I want them to know? If we were going to talk about winning at a sports match Mm -hmm. or losing, What is it that I would want them to know? Because that helps them to see how relevant and real faith could be. Mm. Please tell us more about mommy diaries before we let you go. Okay, certainly. So uh, as I mentioned, the mommy diaries came about from conversations that I was having with my kids in the car on the way to school or on the way back from school. About something that was happening in the news or something that happened to them at school. And I started to realize Firstly, that these were wonderful opportunities for truth. Um, and these were wonderful opportunities for biblical truth. Yeah. And how could I show them that the fact that we are believers impacts the way we do this regular thing? Uh, like the way we spend our money or the way we treat our friends or something that happened on the news or um, a homeless person that we saw. What would I want them to know about these things? And so I started talking to them about it. And then I started writing it on my blog. Mm. And then after a while, and all of these blogs were called What I Told My Kids About. And then it was whatever the topic was. And then after a while, uh, a publisher phoned me and she said, look, we've been looking at these blogs, but this is a book. You should just write this book. Mm. Um, And so uh, in 2019, I did. Yeah. And it ended up being, yeah, a, a book that helps and parents um, and youth leaders, um, a disciple and guide kids towards a biblical worldview. And it's specifically for kids between the ages of eight and, and 16. And I also thank brought you, you a copy. Thank you. Uh, you don't
0: need it much. yet, but you might as well start. Get yeah. it ahead. Get a head start ahead <laughs> of the game. <laughs> Uh, well that's all the questions that I have for you today, Kunna. Thank you again so much for coming and speaking to us. I absolutely loved our conversation and me too. come back. I'd love for you to come.
1: Thanks back. so much, Bill. I'll definitely will thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Awesome. Thank you.
0: Ah oh, Love it. Oh, what an amazing conversation. I hope you're encouraged by the conversation as much as I am and challenged as much as I am to apply all the practical tools that Kona shared with us as well. This conversation actually made me think of Acts 17, verse 11, where Luke speaks about the Bereans who, when Paul was teaching them the gospel, they went to the Bible and went back to scriptures to check everything that God said in order to verify whether what Paul was saying was actually in line with scripture. It says, those were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. And so it's such an amazing passage that shows us Christians in the early church who came to faith through a deep knowledge and understanding of scripture. I want to encourage us to be like the Bereans in our everyday life. If we do use devotionals to always make sure that we're going back to scripture. And letting scripture interpret scripture. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you tune in next time. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and follow this podcast or leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. This is me saying goodbye and reminding you of your ultimate calling in this moment, this day and this week. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. (laughs)